0: you're listening to the Soul Care Podcast, I'm Elaine Hamilton, the founder of the Soul Care House, a group of therapists working in community with a shared perspective about the path towards healing and change. This podcast is about creating a space for real conversations about real life struggles, a place where you can gather insight and support for issues that are relevant to you and the people you love. So sit back, put your feet up, and let's talk. Hey Charlie, it's time for part two of our little piece on acceptance. So
1: yep, and this podcast is called "Why Aren't You More Like Me?" Yeah, part two. Like that. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So last time we talked about how um, trying to understand and explore our partner's personality, family of origin, any trauma history they have helps us make sense of their behavior. Um, they're going to have different reactions and perspectives. They're going to do things differently because of those things, so it's important to try to get a handle on what were those experiences like for them and where do they fit in terms of how they're wired. All of that really helps us with acceptance so we can come to a place of saying, this is who my partner is, this is how they're wired, this is what was modeled for them, this is what impacted the way they see themselves in the world. So this really helps depersonalize their behavior. And it helps it make a lot more sense. You can sort of sit back and say, oh, well, no wonder. No wonder they see it this way. Exactly.
1: Right? It's different. That doesn't necessarily mean it's better or worse. It could be better or worse. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes it's just what we were talking about last week was it's different. It's different. Can we just accept that it's different but also equal?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for example, if my partner is an Enneagram 9, which is like the peacemaker type, they're going to be um, invested in avoiding conflict, and they're going to try to make sure everybody's feeling okay about things. They see everybody's perspective, um, and sometimes they're doing this at their own expense. So, you may want them to get real mad about something that someone said to them, or some, or or that someone said to you, but they're just not going to do that. They're just not wired like that. They can't muster it up. They don't get they don't get upset about things the way that some other personality types do. Um, and that can be hard, but it's just not how they roll. It's, it's not personal. They're not doing that because they don't care or they don't think it's important. It's just that they're wired to look at everybody's point of view. It's like, well, this yep. and this, and I can see how, and of course that, right? So that personality might, um, it's, it's going to bang against um, somebody who's looking for someone who thinks more black and white. Right? Exactly, and wants a partner who views things the same
1: way. Right. Yes, and that's going to be uh, using that example. I mean, it's it could be easy to say like it's better to have a hard opinion on something than it is to see both sides. Mm-hmm. And I think you could argue why is that better? Yeah. It's, it's good sometimes to have a hard opinion, and it's good sometimes to see things in a more gray way. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes what acceptance does is it actually helps us appreciate that maybe even unconsciously I chose somebody who balances me out and maybe I was actually drawn to the Enneagram nine personality because I'm more black and white, which is fascinating because Uh ones and threes who are more black and white tend to marry nines all the time. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, maybe, uh, maybe you did that for a reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It also is why they fight so much, but (laughs) it's, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, that, Trying to figure those things out is what helps us to be compassionate um, and to understand the places where our partners tender and to work around these things, work with these things. But today we wanted to talk about the other half of that, which is how do we know when it's time to press in to some things that are going on with our partner? How do we know when it's time to say, you know, this aspect, these reactions, this way of doing things is actually really difficult for me maybe it doesn't feel healthy to me it doesn't feel healthy to us for us Um, we need to talk about this and I'm asking for change in this area so how do we know right when it's okay to do that that's I think it's pretty tricky
1: it is pretty tricky and there's there's times when I think it's good to say like you won't know for sure you'll just have a sense and there's times when you'll feel like oh this is absolutely time for me to ask for change. And there might even be times when you're absolutely sure you need to ask for change and then you realize you're the one who needs to change. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about kind of all of that kind of uh, complexity. But um, I think the, you know, the, the serenity prayer in AA is a good reminder of this. It says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think that's what we're talking about is there's times when this is just an area of acceptance. And there's times when this is an area that you have the power to ask for change and to create a better partnership. So do it. And sometimes we need wisdom to know which time is which. Uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend in their book, How People Grow, say that growth comes from both a combination of grace. And that's really what you could call the acceptance side. Like there's patience. There's uh, People need a lot of patience. They need a lot of grace. They, our partners need us to to be okay with us being in process and that sometimes change takes a long time. But people also grow because of truth and truth is another way of saying uh, like reality and it might be the truth of the reality might be you're being a huge hugely difficult partner right now <laughs> huge pain in the ass is what i was going to say yeah. and i need you to work on it and so grace and truth in balance which is really what we're talking about acceptance and you could probably call it action or change there's a balance in there somewhere that um will cause uh, hopefully the, the transformation and growth process as you in the coupleship to keep going
0: mm-hmm. yeah so what if we start um with the, uh, the things that are easier, right? Like
1: the obvious, the,
0: the obvious, right? There are, there are things that for sure are always good to press into, right? So let's talk about some of those. Okay.
1: I think number one, most obvious would be abusive behaviors. I don't think we would ever suggest somebody accept ver- verbal, physical, sexual abusiveness and just say, you know, they're in process. I, I'm mm-hmm. just going to let it go. Uh, we would, we would pretty much always say, don't let that go. Have a hard conversation and tell your spouse, you need to work on you. Something very serious is going on under the surface. You're probably almost definitely responding out of a traumatic place mm-hmm. when you're hitting someone, uh, verbally abusing them, sexually abusing them. And so, uh, yeah, we don't accept that. Yeah. Uh, addictive behaviors, substance abuse, video game addiction, sexual addictions. Um, almost always, again, we would say... Uh, don't accept that. Like, ask them to go to treatment. Ask them to go to twelve-step meetings. Ask them to go to therapy. You don't have to tolerate your partner crumbling into an addiction, no. mm-hmm. especially when it's impacting the relationship negatively. Like right. he drinks and he yells, or she um, is addicted to food or spending or whatever, and um, mm-hmm. it's the spending is bankrupting us or whatever. It's it's just uh, we mm-hmm. we don't we especially wouldn't want to accept that when it's impacting the relationship. However, one caveat would just be there are times, and I've known people like who work a really good Al-Anon program. That's the codependency program for like spouses of alcoholics. And I've seen people in Al-Anon come to peace with, you know, he's a good husband. He provides. He's nice to me. He does drink still, mm-hmm. and he drinks too much. Mm-hmm. But the impact on our life isn't massive. And so they've come to terms and let it go. That is rare, mm-hmm. but it is possible at times.
0: Yeah, because usually when somebody's involved in some kind of compulsive self-medicating behavior, that means they're checked out a lot of the time, right? They're focused on the next time they're going to get to use porn or the next time they're going to have a binge or whatever, right? So they're often very not very present in the relationship. and that's pretty abandoning. Usually the partner's feeling very abandoned by that. Even if there is an abusive behavior around, it's like, gosh, you're so checked out.
1: Right, like we just can't, we just don't have intimacy. Yeah. And so the addiction is uh, blocking, really you're being intimate with the addiction. It gets your time, it gets Mm -hmm. your focus, it gets your energy, it gets your presence. Mm -hmm. And so it's very rare that a real addiction doesn't have a negative impact on the marriage. And then um, might even be helpful Elaine, I think you've seen a lot of this to talk through the third one, which is chronic situations mm. where somebody's kind of always struggling with depression, anxiety, mm. overwhelm, sort of drowning. I mean, what when you see that in men or women? I mean, what's your
0: yeah, yeah, yeah? I think um, off, many of us are, um, you know, we have these we have these ways that we lean right, like we lean toward um, creating overwhelm for ourselves, right? We we're always doing too many projects, or we're always uh, we're helping too many people or we're, um we have uh, a level of depression that's actually quite difficult for us but we sort of refuse to get help or don't believe we deserve help or this is the way it is right like I think um, a lot of a lot of folks would relate to that like I don't I, I don't deserve to get help right like I should manage this on my own and we sort of talk ourselves into it's not that it's not that bad Right, like I'm still mm-hmm. getting up. I'm still getting up out of bed every day, and I'm going to work. But my family would say, "Gosh, you're, you're checked out. You're sad a lot. You don't have a lot of energy. Um, you're not very engaged with us." And all of that's really hard for us. And can you please go and get some help? So. Um,
1: yeah, and if you're watching your spouse, having not a bad day, but like bad months, bad weeks, yes. bad years, yeah, that would be appropriate to say. I need you to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not you're not abusive. Mm-hmm. You're just crumbling. Like, yeah. your body hurts all the time. You're sad. Like you said, you're sad right. all the time. You're, you're having yeah. panic attacks. You're depressed. So can, we, can you... It will be best for the family if actually you work on you.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that part of being a responsible partner and maybe perhaps if you're a parent, it's like, I've got to be taking care of my issues because my family is paying for them if I'm not, right? And... Not expecting the family to tolerate um, bigger issues that are really chronic have been have been going on for a long time. Yep. Right. So
1: we need you at your best.
0: So it's important to to be able to ask to say, "Gosh, I'm really worried about this. I really need you to get some help with this. I really need you to go see a doctor about your anxiety or your depression." Or, um, yeah, we we need to get some help because this has been going on for a really long time and it looks. Sort of like you're invested in not creating change or rescuing yourself, Mm -hmm. right? So we're sometimes creating a bit of an intervention saying, I'm sort of at the limit of how much uh, of of dealing with your depression. Yeah. Like, I love you. I want you to get help.
1: Right. You're not, you're really not coping with it. Yeah. Your functioning is, it's not happening.
0: It's not great. And then there are the more tricky things, right? Um, These are, these are sort of like things we have to, they're very gray. We have to figure out when it's time to ask um, and when it's time to accept. But there are lots of other, th- there are lots of things that get in the way of closeness um, and they create resentment or distance over time. Um, mm-hmm. But they're not necessarily troubling for everyone, right? Like some people would be way more comfortable with some of these things than I would. And right. I would be comfortable with some things that other people wouldn't. So. Um, It doesn't have to be something that everyone finds difficult. Right. Um, Sometimes we need to press in when there's a pattern of small or minorly inconveniently things that have been going on for a long time. Like, I think about, um, I hear this from women all the time. It's like, he just won't throw his clothes in the hamper. (laughs) He just won't. He leaves the towel on the floor. He leaves the socks, like, right beside the hamper, but not in the hamper. It's like, well... It's, it's minor, right? But it's super annoying. And over time, there's a sense of like, it seems that you don't care, mm-hmm. right? That this is really frustrating to me. Yep. And maybe that's not true, but it would really help if you could put your towels. This is, this is that I need some help with this because right. I'm starting to feel resentful.
1: And if over several months or years, that that's sort of a globalized pattern where my clothes are on the floor and my towel's on the floor and i'm uh i forget things and i'm just sort of chronically messy we would start to wonder that could be pointing Mm -hmm. to something of significance like Mm -hmm. what we might call like a freeze state or a bit of a depressive state on the person's nervous system like there there might be a reason why there's that level of forgetfulness. There might not be, mm-hmm. but especially when those kind of patterns add up over and over and over and over all over the place, you kind of go, "Gosh, you know, I just, you just don't seem like you're present yeah. and in your environment. You're very forgetful, and it is minor, mm-hmm. but it also could become difficult and, mm-hmm. like you said, more difficult for certain personalities than others.
0: Right.
1: I think the the Enneagram can also be a helpful way of looking at some of these patterns. It's like every type's going to have certain minor things that certain people have a hard time with. An Enneagram 1's criticism and perfectionism will will bother some people over time. Mm -hmm. It won't others. A 2 might get uh, more needy or clingy or helpful uh, and over helpful which could bother some people. It may not bother others. I know for 3's some people can't stand the 3's temptation to lie. Others are like lying doesn't bother me. Four's struggle with their self-esteem. That can wear on some people, not on others. Mm -hmm. A five who consistently checks out. Some types, that's okay. They need to check out. Other types, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. A six is fear and lack of decision-making. A seven, spontaneity and being kind of a little bit all over the place or flighting into the next adventure. An eight's need for control and power. And a nine's kind of overall... uh, tendency to avoid conflict and mm-hmm. at times avoid hard situations all those patterns might be a big deal for you they might not be yeah and it's hard to know yeah a lot of it's just preference like i just you married me that's hard for me i need you to deal <laughs> with it you know i mean it's it's right. hard to know
0: right so when else might we need to press in
1: uh i think there's times when there's been a commitment to change but there hasn't been follow through Mm -hmm. on little behaviors. Mm -hmm. So they've said, I won't be on my phone as much, or uh, I'm really gonna work on being more of a partner with the cleaning or the kids. And then there Mm -hmm. isn't follow through. And so you finally say, you know, we've actually talked about this four times. I think it's time for you to go talk to somebody or get some extra help. Mm -hmm. Might be a time, uh, there might be things where a problem or behavior is escalating and getting worse as time goes on. And so as long as it was, um, sort of a minor thing, like, well, you know, he plays video games for an hour a night, not the end of the day, not the end of the world. Yeah. But an hour turns into two, turns into three. Or she watches, used to watch a half hour show a night, now she watches three hours. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of concerned by, by that behavior. Um, or we just find ourselves disturbed, wanting distance, wanting to withdraw, wanting to avoid our partner. And so it's like, well, something's happening that probably needs to be talked about because um we just aren't doing well yeah. and and it's sort of a check engine light
0: mm-hmm. yeah so I think sometimes we're trying to ferret out um, is this a, is this a symptom of a bigger problem mm-hmm. that my part, like if they're watching tons of TV it's like I'm, are you actually avoiding being in relationship with me are you avoiding engaging with the family um, are you super tired are you depressed or is this like a little season in your life where you're just like you just need a little space, and you're coming back to us later. Right.
1: right you just got a new job. Or some, some people, like accountants, tax season is awful for them. Mm-hmm. If February and March, they're exhausted and watching TV, who cares? Yeah. But if they're watching TV all the time, every month, and they're always exhausted, well, then right. that's not a season. That's a chronic pattern.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's Then this is the way we're living life, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so we have to figure out... Um, is this about something bigger? And and it's hard if we're reactive to it, right? Like if, if I feel like my partner is not present enough of the time, I'm gonna feel rejected, I'm gonna feel left, and right. I'll have to sort out, am I really being rejected? And that's a hard conversation to have with your partner. It's like, are you actually avoiding me? Because it feels like you're avoiding me. Right. And your partner might say, no, I'm actually just exhausted. I'm actually just really exhausted. I wish I had the energy to connect more, but I just like I just don't have it in me. Right. Well, those are two different things, right? And then how are we going to navigate? How we navigate that issue is going to be different based on whether, yeah, I'm I'm actually mad at you about something that happened three months ago, and I don't want to talk to you.
1: Mm-hmm, right?
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am avoiding you.
1: Right. And again, in either situation, I mean, if it can be resolved quickly, great. If it's if it's just it's been a hard three months well then that will resolve in itself if it's i've been mad at you about this one thing hopefully a conversation or two will resolve that Mm -hmm. and then you can move on
0: yeah yeah so the other thing to keep in mind is that um my reactions to whatever's going on in my with my partner have a lot to do with me Right. and not just what's going on in my partner. It'd be great if I were like always objective <laughs> and all my reactions were based on clear evidence and right. You know, whatever.
1: One-sided.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, I can see you're struggling and I'm just going to name that and then we're going to deal with that. But a lot of times it's very convoluted because right. this is tapping into my experience as a child of being abandoned or rejected right. or ignored. And so I'm having really big feelings about this and it feels so true to me yep. that you are actually abandoning me. Right.
1: right. And I think what happens in those situations is one problem actually becomes three problems. Hmm. So you might have like, the the first problem is what's actually happening. Hey, uh, Elaine, I've been noticing you've been coming home late a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's a problem. But then maybe... I was uh, abandoned as a kid or didn't have a whole consistent parenting. So instead of just saying, if I'm Ken, yeah. hey, Elaine, I've noticed you've been coming home late a lot. I say, where the hell have you been? Right. You're always gone. You're always and you gone. don't care about the family. All you care about is you and the soul house and your yeah. team. And so now we have problem, too, because Ken's triggered and is working, having to work through something. So we have, yes, Elaine has been home late but now Ken's got a big trauma trigger and then maybe Ken's aggressiveness triggers your trauma and now you're like right. nobody talks to me that way like you <laughs> son of a bitch you talk to me that way again i'm out of here well now there's a right. third problem right. so we great. yeah so we have yes we have to deal with Elaine coming home late and we have to deal with Ken's big reaction and then we have to deal with Elaine's big reaction back yes. and that makes it really messy because it's like well when you're trying to problem solve something like punctuality but Mm -hmm. both people's traumas being triggered Mm -hmm. that process is so hard you have so much to wade through and so in that case what i think you're saying is both people need to press in we both need to look at why do i have such a big reaction to you why do you have such a big reaction to me and let alone what are we going to do about the punctuality problem It's messy. Mm -hmm. One thing me and Heather say a lot is like if I'm having, if one of us is having a gigantic reaction towards the other person, Mm -hmm. we call it the 80-20 rule, which basically means 80% of this energy is probably about the past. Past relationship, my my family of origin, and there still might be 20% that belongs to the here and now, Mm -hmm. like I actually would like you to change this pattern. But if I'm in rage or terror or totally avoiding you over it, that's a pretty extreme reaction for mm-hmm. why are your clothes on the ground? Right. <laughs> and right. so I have to deal with that 80%. And then if you have a gigantic reaction to my gigantic reaction, well, that's probably also 80% about your past. Mm-hmm. And you might have something to present too.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think there are endless um, experiences like that in, um, in the life of partners together, right? Like, I think, uh, like, an example for me is that. Uh, Things being tidy and clean is really important to me, and it's how I calm myself down. So if life gets hard and stressful, I'm gonna need that more than ever. Right? Mm. So, um, so if Ken's making a mess somewhere, be like, this mess is making me feel frantic. Like it's a tiny little mess. Nobody else would notice it, but for me it's like this is the end of the world. I cannot calm down because you have too many pieces of paper lying in this table. Mm-hmm. And why are you making such a big mess? And why don't you care about cleaning up your, after yourself? And why do I have to do everything for you?
1: Why right? do we hate <laughs> our children? Whoa. I...
0: <laughs> it gets crazy yeah. real fast, right? So it's important for me to have this self-awareness to say, I'm actually feeling pretty stressed because of whatever. And this this franticness is really about my desire to organize and... Um, control my environment and this isn't about what's going on between him and I this is I'm especially sensitive to this right now because of what's going on with me so my reaction to him is unfair unreasonable disproportionate to what's happening Um, and so I'm going to have to try to calm myself down and and take responsibility for like if I need if I think need, if I need things really clean right now, then I'm gonna to need to do the cleaning because it's it's a little unreasonable. What I'm expecting in those moments, it's pretty unreasonable.
1: Right. And that's where I think what what you're saying there is I think is also super important is I don't want to be certain that what mm. is going on in this situation is because of my partner. Right. Like my disturbance is because of Ken's messiness, period. Right. <laughs> like that <laughs> certitude, it's going right. to cause a lot of problems. Rather than being certain, we want to be curious hmm, and observe our behavior. So right. it's like, that's interesting. I'm having a massive reaction to a little pile. Yes. Is that because of Ken? Is that because of stress? Is that because of my family? Is that because of trauma? Like, mm-hmm. I wonder why I'm having such a big reaction. If I approach my partner with certitude, you are doing this and I'm having a reaction. It's your fault. Right. That will almost always go badly. If I come to my partner, I say, I don't know why I'm having big feelings, yes. but I'm having them. Right. The trigger is the pile of crap on the table. Yes. I don't think that's the that's real, real issue, <laughs> but, yeah. but can we talk through yeah. why I'm so activated and, yes. and intentional? And some helpful questions might be to ask yourself with curiosity is, am I upset because there is a core trigger to my personality type? Is my partner breaking any family rules mm. that I grew up with right. that were basically much more about the preference of my family than an actual problem? Like yes. if my family prefers cleanliness, then I'm going to be triggered by uh, messiness. Mm-hmm. Or does what I am upset about in my partner have clear roots in my trauma story? It's those big three things we keep coming back to. Is mm-hmm. this about my personality, my family, my trauma, mm-hmm. or is this actually a problem? Yeah. And sometimes what's really tricky is it can. Feel so clearly about them. A
0: hundred percent. And it's about me. Yeah, I love what you said about like when we find ourselves feeling certain, that's when we're probably really off base. Yeah, that's the
1: irony. The more certain I am, <laughs> yes. likely that's the strange. more wrong I am. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: Not always.
0: Oh, it's the opposite. But, um, yeah, it's the opposite of what I'm like, thinking. I'm one
1: hundred percent sure it's you. It's like, yes. and that probably means it's me. <laughs> 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 That's too bad. (laughs) It's terrible news. (laughs) I know. Well, yeah, and again, this is again why half of marriages end in divorce. Yeah. Like this idea of partnering up with another person and bringing all your stuff to them and joining that is Mm -hmm. a serious job. It's not something that just like we should just seamlessly come together. It's like, no, you shouldn't. Right. Like if anybody can get through thirty years of being married together without couples therapy or a near miss on divorce, I'd be stunned. Mm -hmm. Like a lobotomy or lobotomy unless yeah. there's an absolute avoidance of conflict Right. but if you're really gonna have really good vulnerable intimacy it is hard hard hard, hard.
0: okay so obviously how we have these conversations is everything right it's super important how we approach these issues um, do we have some tips for our friends to have them to help them get a good shot at this
1: absolutely 100% so first of all if I'm approaching my partner about their behavior, or about a pattern that's hard for me, and my, the response I'm getting from them is immediate defensiveness, mm-hmm. where um, where they feel like you know they're they're withdrawing from me, or they're they're they don't see why it's a big issue, they don't like what I'm saying to them, it will be important for me to ask myself: Am I being accusing, pushy, critical, judgy, mean, or am I being vulnerable? Because mm-hmm. if I'm being vulnerable, which is always going to get you know, you, what do they say? You catch a lot of more lot more flies with honey than vinegar or yes. something. If I'm being vulnerable and sweet to my partner, like, hey, I, I feel sad, I miss you, mm-hmm. versus why do you always? Mm-hmm. Or I'm feeling anxious and disconnected versus I can't believe one more time you did A, B, and C. Right. If, if, I'm, if I'm coming from a place of powering up, I'm really pushing them away. It may not feel like I'm doing that, mm-hmm. but I am. And that may be causing my defensiveness. So first of all, if I can as we talk about often start from a place of vulnerability
0: yeah so that means i have to get that means i have to get grounded i have to get clear about what i want to say because if i'm just letting my feeling drive my conversation it's going to probably go sideways it's going to probably be attacking accusatory all of that because i'm feeling rejected or frustrated or right. mad and so oftentimes it's great to give yourself enough time to sort of really bottom line, what, what is it that I actually need to ask my partner for and how can I ask that in a way that gives me the best chance of being heard, right? And that exactly. means approaching it with vulnerability, with kindness. right? It
1: comes down to practicality. What will actually work to solve yes. the problem? Attacking yes. your partner doesn't work.
0: Doesn't work. You can
1: keep doing it, it will just reinforce the problem. I
0: personally really love attacking. I do too. It makes me feel very powerful.
1: You're a two with a one wing, I'm a one with a two wing. <laughs> Get your shit together. It's time to what is change.
0: Wrong with you? Why can't you be more like me? Right.
1: We both married people in the sensitivity group, and it's. Sh- not surprising they probably both go i'm done (laughs) when we approach them like that
0: yeah it's too much it's too much much. and so
1: if we learning to be tender and vulnerable just goes a lot yes further
0: so that takes time and again i always suggest locking yourself in the (laughs) back keep yourself out of trouble right Mm -hmm. because if you lead with the intensity right that's always going to uh, bite you in the ass it's going to create more stuff between the two of you right it's going to create resentment and pushback and you're going to have to pay for it that's the thing i always say if you do this when you're not in your right mind you're going to have to pay for it later
1: Bingo. is it
0: worth it to you yeah is it worth it to you to have to make up for the way that you approached that
1: definitely not uh second thing would be um just being open to what may be going on in me and having curiosity about that. We already said that, but yeah. as I'm having that conversation, if I can approach with curiosity, that will be helpful. Yeah. Uh, another another thing to um, consider would be um, kind of a basic like intervention model. And we may have mentioned this before, or I think we posted it on Instagram at one point, but it was the idea of a, a basic intervention model for a conversation would be to say, uh, what do I observe? what do i feel about what i observe and what do i want going forward and so if i can start with like hey i do notice there's been some like you've been on your phone a lot more and maybe you're drinking a little bit more as well and we're, we've, we we've haven't had date night in a long time and i just feel really dis- and and so that's what's happening i feel disconnected from you i feel lonely i feel sad i feel anxious to even have this conversation and what i want is to kind of figure out if something's going on in your heart if if um, if you're struggling with something, I want us to get reconnected. Mm-hmm. And so to talk about what you see, what you feel and what you want is a helpful structure for those of you that like structure, like I do. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a nice way to kind of fluidly talk through these things. Yeah. And as always, vulnerability, vulnerability, vulnerability.
0: Yes, and I think one of the things to keep in mind is that if your partner is struggling with something, it's actually very helpful to have someone lovingly say, yes. I'm worried about you. Right, like this is not really you. You don't seem well. I'm concerned for you. Uh, like I think about uh, when my daughter, uh, my first child, left for college. I think I cried every day for six months. I was just like sort of devastated. Mm. Like I don't know who I am if I'm not mothering her every day. This is very tragic. Right. Right. And my way of coping with that was shopping excessively. <laughs> I don't. Crazy. I don't even know. And I don't want to know how much money I spent in that six months of her being gone. And I remember Ken sort of like tolerating that for a long time. And then maybe around Christmas saying to me, do you think you're going to work your way through this anytime soon? (laughs) Just
1: setting clear expectations. It
0: was very helpful. Mm -hmm. It was very helpful for him just to say, you know, I don't think you're doing very well. Yep. And I can tell that by all the anthropology packages that are coming into this. But right. he didn't say it that way. He just said, Do you think you're gonna work your way through this anytime soon? I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I I'm not doing very well. Right. Yeah, I probably I probably need to get myself together. I probably need to talk to somebody. I probably need to find some other ways to cope with this. Absolutely.
1: Right? And I think the key word being a loving concern. Yeah. You know. Heather's in the same thing if I'm if she's noticing that like mm-hmm. there's a lot of extra Oreo packages and Cheetos <laughs> and burrito wrappers, <laughs> nothing wrong with those things. But if it's daily for weeks, yeah. you know, it's like wh- it, it appears you might be struggling <laughs> or not. But right. um, yeah, and a, a gentle, loving question from your partner can can often catalyze yeah. helpful thought process of yeah. what's going on in me.
0: Yeah, because it sort of validates. Like a part of you knows you're not doing very well, and it really validates. Oh, it's it's observable that I'm not doing very right. well. I might think that I'm I'm doing okay. Like I'm I'm making this work. I'm getting away with being a wreck right now. But actually, no. Actually, no. People can see you're falling apart, and so maybe I need to do something to take care of that. Right. Okay. So it sounds like we're saying, Charlie, that. Um, the smartest way to approach these things is to do that with vulnerability, mm-hmm. with kindness, mm-hmm. with clarity. Con- yep. Right? And we're asking for our partner to hear our concern, but we're doing it from a place of groundedness, of like, here's what I'm worried about. This is what I'm observing. I'm worried about that. I'm scared about that. Can you help me with that?
1: Exactly. Right? Or Not
0: Aggressiveness. Not aggressiveness. Or or even asking for clarity but like can you help me understand what's going on with you? Right? And then maybe we can have a real conversation about like why are there so many rappers on the floor? Right. Right? Like what's happening here?
1: Versus you're doing this. Yeah. It's again back to curiosity, not certitude.
0: Yeah. Exactly right. The certitude thing is big. That's that's a real big tip, I think.
1: Yeah, and I would say for all you ones, threes, twos, eights on the Enneagram definitely those four numbers we like our certitudes mm-hmm. it gives us control it gives us power and we have to be real careful when we come at our partners with like you are doing this and this is why yeah it's just and and letting go of certitude can be scary because it, my certitude is what is a really defense mechanism it, it helps me feel right and powerful and so to let go of being right and powerful and be curious and mm-hmm. open to differing opinions mm-hmm. can be terrifying it doesn't mean you're wrong. It's just being open.
0: Oh, good. I'm glad that I can still actually be right.
1: Right. You might, your certitude (laughs) could be right. Yeah. That's, you might be certain and hit the bullseye, but you also may not.
0: Right. And presenting with certitude is-
1: Never helps.
0: A hundred percent of the time going to produce a conflict rather than a resolution to a problem.
1: Right. So, I mean, you know, Heather's a smart woman she's trained, uh, she went to therapy school, she's got her trauma training, she's a spiritual director. If she comes to me and she says, um, hey, I noticed that you've been a little more moody. I noticed that you're um, a little more clingy, and you're wanting a lot more of my attention, and you're eating more sugar. I wonder if you have some abandonment stuff on the surface. Mm-hmm. She's probably right. Yeah. But she could say that as, you're being triggered with abandonment, you're eating mm. too much, you're needy. Right. And I, if she says it like that, it's like,
0: you. <laughs> Screw you!
1: Probably a little different language than that, and Worse so that.
0: Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean we don't it's do that. We don't do that, that anymore. But that's yeah, and so um, but she would never do that now. Now yeah. she's just gonna come to me and say, hey, like I'm she might worried. say, sweetheart, I'm worried. I yeah. just wanna know what's going on. I'm seeing this. It could be about that. And yes. she, she, I'm okay with her if she wants to analyze me a little bit. She knows me well. It's not yeah. I, that's fine. Um, so it's just such a different energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so that is all very hard work. Yes, it is. That's the task in front of us, right. right?
1: Marriage is hard. It takes work.
0: It does. It really does. So we're just going to keep working on ours, on anybody's who comes that's to That's right.
1: We'll do the best we can to be <laughs> do helpful. Do the
0: best we can. All right, guys. Hopefully that um, is helpful. Uh, send us any questions you have, any comments you want to make, if there are some topics you'd love for us to address. Uh, we'd love to try to be helpful to you. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Soul Care House podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments you have, if there are topics you'd like us to address, let us know. Feel free to contact me at elaine at soulcarehouse.com. If you're interested in knowing more about what we do here at Soul Care, our website is soulcarehouse.com, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle there is Soul Care House and Barn. Talk to you soon.